This podcast is sponsored by Same Day STD Testing, the nation's number one STD STI testing company, offering fast, private, and confidential STI testing nationwide. You can speak to a counselor by calling 844 332 2461. Today, I have a very special guest that is here to talk about broken marriages with me. And um, I'm sure we'll get into talking about just marriage in general, because when you think about marriage, you know, you think about the sexuality aspect and how sex can, you know, really um, be a detriment to someone's marriage if, you know, one partner may like something else and, you know, all of those things. So, um, we're talking broken marriages today. So I have my guest here, uh, Danny, Miss Danielle, and she is the host of the Dear Danny podcast and author of Married to the Backslider. Hello, Danny. Hi, Nicole. It's so nice to be here and thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on um, and discussing something that I'm sure is uh, a very you know, it can be a sensitive sub- subject for some. Um, so thank you for just, um, you know, being open to to this conversation. And so I know that um, marriage in general is, uh, like I said, a necessary topic here as expectations, because 50% of married couples divorce here in the U.S. Um, it, that is an outstanding number. And I think, uh, again, sex has a lot to do with that, as well as, you know, built up trauma, one or either party has to um, has yet to peel back. So I personally, I'm approaching one year of marriage at the end Woo-hoo. of the <laughs> And it literally has been one of the hardest things I've yeah. ever had to do um, from terrible sex to one-sided arguments because I believe it argue Um, (laughs) (laughs) or get mad for any reason you know it's just like he lives in this world of sunshine and rainbows and (laughs) nothing is traumatic for him he has no traumatic past experiences he just is like easy going um but me on the other hand I'm you know like this awful individual that has all this trauma and all these things that I haven't worked through. So it really does put a detriment on the relationship and the fact that our sex life had gotten, you know, pretty bad. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, even this conversation is good for me. So in the description um, of your book, it reads, why should I stay married? Did I make a mistake? What did I do to deserve this? Is it, is it worth the problems? the drama, the heartache, and the stress. These are questions that almost every married person has said to themselves or even out loud. And then Eva, the character in your book, was so broken that she had no answers for these questions and was ready to throw in the towel. But what happens when we stop pointing fingers and face the person in the mirror? Girl, that that stuck out to me because even in my marriage with all of the turmoil and everything that we've been through this past year, I really had to to take a step back (laughs) (laughs) and be like, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't all him. I think that I have issues. Yeah. Right. So so you didn't just write this book off the humbug. What drew you to writing Married the Backslider? Well, I wrote the book initially for therapy. I wrote basically my life. 
Mm-hmm. I was just in a really frustrating place. Um, I heard you mention that you're you coming up on your first year. I want to say congratulations. I believe it will be your hardest and that the worst is behind you. That's my prayer anyway. Yo, because a lot of people don't want to say that the first year of marriage is the hardest year. They say it's all sunshine. You're still in your honeymoon stage. But mm-hmm. if you haven't been living with the person and realizing that, oh, not only am I living with him now, but I'm committed in a whole nother fashion. Like I said, I do. And so I can't just leave. Right. So now you have to figure out, well, how do we make this work? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I just was really, really frustrated and the things that were going on in my marriage and being a writer, that's how I make myself have therapy. And so I actually wanted to go to therapy. I'm not against therapy, but I didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. So being able to write it out was what I had to do to get through the things that were happening to me in my marriage and to kind of decide, was I going to stay or was I going to leave? Yeah. So that's a good point because um, I I did not care to go to therapy or actually I didn't think about therapy until actually about December, January this past year mm-hmm. and I really kind of went into this downward spiral, depression. Um, right. In our marriage, what, what kind of took it for a turn for the worse was um, I wasn't being satisfied sexually. So right. Like, okay, well, if I go and sleep with Bill, Bob, and Joe, maybe they can satisfy me, and then I'll be happy. Right. And I went and did that, and what I learned was that they dicks didn't satisfy me either. So I was like, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, it's it's not them, it's me. So then that's when I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll go to therapy. Maybe I'll figure it out that way. Um, So it's very interesting to me that you said, yes, I may need therapy at this point in my marriage, but I'll write a book instead. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I wanted to do both. I honestly did want to do both, but I mean, I literally actually went to um, behavioral health one day. I was going to check myself in and the wait was just too long and I had so much to do. It's like, you know, us women, especially women of color, sometimes we wear the superhero cape that we just cannot take off even when we want to take it off. Um, so it just didn't turn out that I, I had the options and then being able to afford some therapy and just carving out the time in my marriage and working full time to do it just didn't see fit at that time. But I, I totally recommend therapy um, individually and couples therapy. We actually did do some couples therapy together um, and that helped our relationship. But I'm, I'm totally for therapy. Yeah. And writing. Journaling helps too. Because it makes you look at what you've done. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when you read about your stuff, you're like, oh, wow, that's that's actually me. Yeah. 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 I've journaled as well. Mm-hmm. And I had to journal a, a part of my journey to just really say, OK, what are you doing right now? Especially when I was out here trying to really figure it out. So you said, um, which was a good point, you said that uh, a lot of individuals like to kind of wear this mask as if, you know, that first year is sunshine and rainbows and right. still in the honeymoon phase. Um, like, you know, they don't have any problems, which right. know, obviously that was not my experience. And it sounds like that wasn't your experience either. Correct. So what in, um, can, are you okay with explaining kind of what happened? Um, in oh, yeah. That kind of took you to this place, this dark place. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so um, I met my husband um, 2010, and I had no interest in being married at all. Like, I was okay with being single for the rest of my life, being a cool auntie, and this man, like, pursued me mm-hmm. so hard. Like, the first day he saw me, like, you're my wife. I dreamed about you. I know you're my wife. 
um, I'm a believer in Christ. I go to church. He was going to church, you know, and I had never really dated a guy in church or whatnot. And I'm not from where I live now. He's from here. So I didn't know his past history. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, finally, you know, he's t- convinced me that we're going to be together and I should marry him. He's a great guy, which he really was a great guy. But he went into a backslidden state. Now, I'm not a person that's like holier than thou and have to be perfect. But he went to a place that I didn't want to be in. And so when you're connected to someone, you're married and you live with them and you can't disconnect from the things that they do. It's very, very, very frustrating. And let me just stop you right there real quick. So you said he went to a backslider state. I don't even, I'm sure our listeners don't know what that means. I'm not too familiar of what back the backslider term is. Can you explain that a little bit? Okay, without being too churchy, it's kind of <laughs> like, because <laughs> I'm, I'm really not that person, but it's kind of like he pulled the wood over my eyes. He tricked me. Okay. You know, he was one way. Um, going to church, praying, you know, not necessarily straight and narrow, but he was portraying himself to be a good guy. Okay. Like, for example, he did not show to me that he smoked cigarettes until three months after we were married. Oh, wow. I hate cigarette smoke. <laughs> not because it's biblically wrong, but I cannot stand the smell of cigarettes. Like, it makes me sick. Yeah. I would have never given him my phone number if I thought he smoked. So imagine the things that he had to do to cover up the smell, what he did, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just really manipulative. Um, after that, like, I found out he was still selling drugs. Ooh. Um, and he was doing drugs. And I don't mean, like, weed. I mean, like, hardcore drugs. And I'm like, what, 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 what happened here? Like, I don't want to live this lifestyle. I know th- about this lifestyle, but I would try my best to get as far away from it as I possibly can. And now you're telling me I'm right back to where I didn't want to be and he didn't Look, he did not know he was doing drugs or selling them no after you know when I tell you he was a bible reading um after yeah. school program guy like I just I had no idea and I was so upset because I felt really stupid like I felt like I was had been blinded um there were signs that I probably would have never picked up on because there's some things I just didn't know mm. about drugs like for instance I know about selling weed, selling even crack cocaine, but I didn't know nothing about pills um, or even know that people of color are into those type of things. Like this whole opioid epidemic, it's really huge, you know, but I knew nothing about it. Um, And so him being into that was a huge shock for me. And I did not find out about it until after we were married. Oh, wow. That is devastating. So I was very, very, very upset. And I'm like, I'm gone. But he could be like the most, besides that, those things, um, he was just really heavy into the street life. And I didn't like that at all. I mean, who who would want to be, you know, basically selling drugs, um, basically, you know, committing crimes, not knowing what's going on. Like your husband's making people disappear. So what do you, what do you do? Mm. You live with this man. Mm. So now I don't even want to be around you. I don't trust anything you say. I don't want to be around the people that you are around, you know, and you're saying, well, there's nothing wrong. I'm like, no, that that's guy's sketchy. He's shady. I don't want to be around him. Yeah. So it was really, really frustrating because I'm like, do I pray and believe that he's going to change or do I pray and believe um, that God's going to keep me when I leave? So what I really had to just decide is like to hear from God myself about what I should do. And one, one thing that I did learn being married period is, when you become a better spouse, your spouse becomes better. Mm-hmm. 
So I had to realize that one, I had to give forgiveness and grace. And two, I had to pick which battles. So instead of nagging about everything and fighting, I'm not belittling anything that he did because it was it wasn't good. Yeah. But at the same time, when I realized that that it could be worse and I stopped stressing and stopped fussing and cussing and being angry and withholding sex, things really got better. Oh wow. Now does that work for everybody? No. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not an advocate for staying in a place where you're unsafe or you're afraid or someone's doing something wrong to you. But I really think you have to find and search yourself about what you can take and what you can't take. And then you have to dig deep down in your faith to know that it will get better. And if you don't get a sign that it's going to get better, like if he had hadn't done things to let me know that it was going to get better then I would have left. So when you said, um, in this, in the kind of description of your book that, um, what happens when we stop pointing fingers and face the person in the mirror? So at some point you, you felt like, okay, all my cussing, all my fussing, it's not doing us any good. So at this point, when you took a step back and kind of looked at yourself in the mirror, was he still, um, was he still in the streets? Was he still doing what he needed to do or, or had he stopped that at that point? At that point, he was still in the streets. And so what I did was I stopped. This is when I started writing. And I basically went back. The book itself has been, like, minimized and edited mm-hmm. because for publication, of course. But I just started from the beginning of my life. And I started, you know, telling my story. And then within telling my story to, back to myself, I saw all the mistakes and the wrongs that I had done, not just towards him, but in life in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I literally heard God say to me, you know, what the grace I give you, why haven't you been able to give to him? You know, um, I forgive you. Why can't you forgive him? You know, he's like as horrible as my husband was. He was perfect for me, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, he never once threatened me. I never once felt unsafe around him. I mean, he was the perfect gentleman to me. Give me anything I wanted whenever I wanted. Right. So um, I had to see myself that you know we it was us against the problem and he wasn't the problem he had the problem but he wasn't the problem mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense so then at that point you kind of forgave him for all of his wrongdoings and so were you able to really take on that wife role of all right now we're going to get you some help now we're going right to- okay so now we had to get him help mm-hmm. um but the, that's the thing about the streets. The streets is really hard. Once you're in there, if you don't move away, it makes the the breakaway even harder. He went to get help multiple times before he actually finally got away. Mm-hmm. But the damage was so bad. Um, in the book, it talks about me being a widow, me losing him, and that was really hard because I'm like, no, we finally got it together. We're finally on the straight and narrow. Um, but you know, it was too late. And so when but, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. No, you you go ahead. So when, so when you lost him, how long had you all been together at that point, or how long had you all been married at that point? At that point, we had been married for four years, together for five years. Oh wow! So so you had you had done your work, <laughs> and not only had you did your work, but it sounded like he did his too. Right, or right. Did he? And I he did, and I think about the mirror. I think marriage is a mirror. 
Um, I say that oftentimes because I really thought I had it all together before I got married. I thought I was Little Miss Perfect, you know, and he showed me a lot of things about myself that were not pretty, that were not beautiful. And he loved me even still in my ugliness. Yeah. And so um, I oftentimes say, you know, he would say, you know, people talk about me being a killer. He was like, how you think you can live with me? You know, you're not that great. You know, you got some things in your past. Yeah. And so when he would show me those things, I was like, wow, you know, like maybe I'm not the nicest person. Maybe I'm not the most forgiving, not just to him, but in general as a whole, you know, how I treat people or, you know, the things that I would do. And so I think when you have a good spouse, a loving spouse, they kind of show you who you are, but not as to condemn you, but so that they can help you to get better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a big part of my story too. My husband is, he's, he's a pretty good dude and he's been able to show me all of my imperfections in love. Right. In In love, love. you know? And so you do, you have to step back and say, okay. And I think there's a fine line as well, because there could be many women in both of our situations, right. That could be in a relationship that is, that they may not be getting sexually satisfied or it could be, you know, their husband is in the streets, but you have to find that fine line. Okay. Is this man really, um, is he worth it? Does he, is he for you or is he not for you? Yeah. Does he have potential? Is he somebody that I can, that is willing to, first of all, do the work and can I help do the work right um, or is this a lost cause you know what I mean like you have to kind of um it, there is a very fine line there a, because fi- I think a very fine line yeah some women can you know put up with bullcrap um when you know that that really shouldn't be you know no this that let this soul tie go <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely not an advocate for that but I think one of the things that we have gotten away from um, with this so much, you know, social media and media in general and TV and outside, what I'm the hugest advocate for is getting sound advice, but at the same time, not having everyone on the outside telling you what's best to do for your marriage. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times people will waver and they will say, oh, girl, if that was you, I wouldn't do this. Or girl, if I was you, you know, that wouldn't be me. I can't. So I think it's really important to find opinions and advice and therapy that's not biased. Because um, at the end of the day, I have to live with this person or you have to live with that person, you know, and mm-hmm. only, you know, what's best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's really important, too, because a lot of us want to listen to our girlfriends. We want to um, even listen to our family members. Right. Moms. No. Dads. No. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to follow our guts and um, do what's best for us. Right. So um, you doing that kind of took you to your next level. And um, and then unfortunately, you know, it was it was uh, his demise. So how how did, how has that affected you? Um, well, I think I finally come to peace with, you know, him being gone. It's just it's I mean, he was really an amazing man. And I I try not to let his legacy be that of just being, you know, the adult boy or somebody that did drugs. Or somebody that did, you know, negative things because he was the, he was the, what do you call it? He was the mayor, really, you know, in our city, everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. He was the guy that bought back to school clothes, haircuts, oh, wow. Christmas shoes. You know, he was, he was that guy. You know, we don't have dope boys like that anymore. Everybody's yeah. out for themselves. My husband was literally the father or uncle to every kid in the neighborhood. I mean, oh. we had a house full of kids all the time, homework. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so he was really a great guy. And I think what I've learned is to be more give, giving is to be a sharing person is to be a genuinely loving person. Um, and I've realized that I've come, I came into his life so that he could make me a better person. And then he's gifted me with all this, these neighborhood kids that I love. I talk about all the time. Um, I've known them. I've been in their life now for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that we, we needed each other. I needed him. He needed me. And then these kids needed us. And I need the, now I need these kids. Mm-hmm. So I've learned how to be a better person because of him. Um, and I probably, I know this sounds crazy. My husband knew a lot. I, I swear he could see the future. And I just feel like he probably <laughs> prepared me for my next husband because I probably thought I loved people before I met him. Mm-hmm. But I know that I did not treat people the best that I should have Yeah, before I met him. Um, as far as relationship wise. And I feel like when I marry again, I will know how to love because of him. Oh, yes. That is so powerful. Um, because uh, I think when we come into these relationships, I think that um, literally what it's doing is, like you said, it, it's a mirror of ourselves and all of our insecurities, all of our trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the right one comes along, then all of that comes up. And then you are able to peel back the layers and become your truest self. And um, I think your intentions, you know, in your marriage always have to be right. Why are you doing this? And I that's something that I struggle with, you know, at first, because, you know, my my why was because I wanted to be married because that's what people do. (laughs) And, you know, I want to been and um, I quickly learned that this isn't what marriage is. Marriage right. is, you know, that title. Oh, I have a husband. No, marriage is a lot of work. Very and, much. Um, you know, luckily I even have a husband that um, is willing to go there with me. He's willing to go in the trenches with me mm-hmm. and figure it out because that's what you got to do in a marriage. You got to figure it out. And I think that if you get to that point where you can figure it out um then you can find that unconditional love right you know which at first i don't think many people have you know they have the lust they have what mm-hmm. they think is mm-hmm. love and um, i think I, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right i think in the beginning i was marrying my husband because he wanted to marry me and he was so adamant about it mm-hmm. um and i think it's because he needed to teach me those things yeah he needed to teach me how to be nice how to be loving and how to accept help because I had been single for so long in my mind, I just was going to be an old maid. Not that this is old <laughs> anymore, but I was the only one of my friends that wasn't married. I was 28 and I was okay with that. Didn't have kids. And um, the only one of your friends. I wasn't married. I was okay with not being married. Um, I dated, but I was like, you know what? I'm not settling down. I'm going to live my life. I'm not answering to anybody. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You know, that type of thing think there was any value to being married yeah and so when I married my husband um I married him and I loved him I did but I didn't know how to love so I wasn't doing it correctly right um and then not only did I not know how to love sometimes we love people the best way we know how or what we think is love but it's not the Mm. love that they need or it's not the best way to love them Mm -hmm. and so I learned that you know he was there to show me how to love and he was so patient with me. Mm. Um, and I just really, I, I value that a lot because I thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't, yeah. you know. And so I learned to be, re- to be able to see- receive help. 
to let somebody love me back. Um, I was so misindependent. I can do this by myself. I don't need you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Why you got to do this for me? I'm doing it. I've been doing this, you know, without you. He's like, wait, wait, wait. First of all, we have to remove that from our vocabulary. I don't want you to tell me any more what you did before me. Yeah. We're together now. You don't have to do it alone. And matter of fact, you don't have to do this at all. You're gonna, I'm going to do this for you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, okay. If you want to do it and, you know, just being able to release some of that control and letting him love me the way he wanted to love me. Yeah. And be grateful for it because it was, you know, sometimes we just feel like, well, if they do all that, what, what's the reasoning behind that? Why are you doing that for me? Right. They have an ulterior motive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just learning that, you know, people can actually really love genuinely and accept the love, accept the, accept the hate, not the hate, accept the love and realize that it's not hate. Right. Nobody, everybody doesn't have an ulterior motive. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from trauma, too. Right, right. You know, from what we dealt with, you know, from maybe our mothers or our fathers. Um, so we're so reluctant to allowing anybody True. to love us. Our guards because are up. You know? That's another reason why I was so ready to leave because, you know, growing up with my father, he was not present. He was present, but he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. He made it very clear, you know, he didn't want me. He wanted my mother to have an abortion. Oh. And so... From the time I was born, it was kind of like, I don't want you. Mm. And so I had to grow up with that rejection and abandonment. And I had told myself that if I didn't need him, I didn't need anybody. Right. So it was kind of like, it's still there. Mm -hmm. And it had followed me through every relationship. Like, I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me. Yeah. And, (laughs) and, you know, even if we're together, we're not together. Like, you can call me your girlfriend all day long. I'm not your girlfriend. Yeah. We're not together. It's almost like having that mentality. Um, what's Steve Harvey's book? Uh, Act like a lady, think like a man. Right, yeah. right. Because I got to a point where I was like, no more men are going to hurt me. Like, I'm right. the dog in the relationship now, you know. Um, and I think that that mentality even followed me because I think my, my trauma was me... I, I never really dealt with abandonment issues, but I, well, I did, but they were from boys and I, and I, and I really don't know. Um, I'm still working through why I needed these boys, but sex was really important to me, even at 12 and 15 right. years old. So I was in these relationships and these boys would hurt me. And so, um, because of course, then I didn't have the, you know, the mental capacity to say, you know, boys are this or boys are that. And they're right. like you at 12. They just want your panties at 12. Exactly. But, um, you know, I didn't have the mental capacity to, to know these things. So my trauma comes from kind of it's, it's self-inflicted. But mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was like, no, no more men are going to do me wrong. And so my guard had been up. And even with my husband, I'm like, weren't you just supposed to be a fuck buddy? Like, how did you? Right. How did you even become my husband? You know, and now I have to really dive deep into, you know, these deeper issues. Um, and, and so saying that to say, you know, everybody thinks marriage is, you know, they think about the wedding. They think about, you know, they're pretty. Yes. Dresses. We put too much emphasis on the wedding. Oh, too way much too much emphasis. emphasis. Yeah. They think about the pretty dresses, all of their bridesmaids, but they don't even take into consideration all of the work that's going to happen the day after the wedding. Yes. You know, and I think it's so important that we, you know, talk even sex in, in a marriage. You yes. Know? We need to know that beforehand. 
Yeah, we need to know that. And, you know, a lot of women, I think, desire sensuality. Even that was, you know, my uh, issue. I really needed sensuality and I didn't know that because I was so tainted and my mind was so distorted from watching so much porn forever Mm -hmm. I didn't know what pleasure was so I was seeking something from my husband that I didn't even know you know I need it right you know when I go out here and try to find it from someone else it's still not working so then looking in the mirror just like Eva did um I'm like okay it's me I don't know what pleasure is I'm traumatized from watching all of this you know porn and right and so I think it's so important for women you know, um, not only to look in the mirror, but really just peel back all of the layers um, and know that even if you go into a marriage and you're not complete, because most of us aren't going to be correct, uh, just know that this probably might be the space for you to <laughs> for you <laughs> to learn about yourself. Yeah, you no, know, especially if you have a man that's willing to be patient, because that's a, that comes a dime a dozen. I know you said your husband was patient with you and mine is so patient with me. I mean, yes, patient, you know, I, I'm, yeah, very because I was uh, before I got married, I was a hothead. I was like ready to go to a thousand. And for two reasons, I learned I couldn't go to a thousand. If I go to a thousand, he's going to go to a million and not towards me. But like, I could never go home and tell my husband, but I had a bad day. Such such did this. He's like, who did what? Like, we're going right. to handle it now. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, maybe I should start calming down a little bit. Yeah. And then two, you know, my husband is as horrible as he could appear to be to some people. Like he never, I mean, he just, he, he never went there with me. And I remember one day, um, having an argument with him and I knew because we had these deal breakers about what not to do mm-hmm. and so um he said something to me I just got home from work he was sitting on the porch and he said something I didn't agree with and I just went off like super loud flipping cussing you know yeah and so he didn't say a word he followed me back in the house he was like I would never do that to you and I was like what he said cussing at you in front of these neighbors he was like you don't know who's watching us we always supposed to be un- a united front he was I like, I don't even that. know what you said. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Yeah. Dang. Like, dang. He was like, he was like, don't ever do that. And he didn't even say it like, F you, don't you ever do that to me again. No, yeah. no. He was like, I would never do that to you. And like, when he talked to me like that, it was so humbling. Like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I apologize, you know. Because he never, he may have done that with other people. But for me, it was always like, you know, almost like the father I didn't have, you know, yeah. I made a post and said that like my, my husband is the reason why I even have a relationship with my father now, because oh, wow. he taught me how to talk to my father. He's like, you know, you still got to honor him. You still got to love him. And I promise you, he feels guilty for all the things he did to you. You know, you haven't talked to him today. You haven't talked to him this week, this month. I'm going to call him. I'm going to check on him. I'm like, what? Why are you doing that? I don't want to do that. Why are you calling him? I don't want you to call him. He's like, you got to call him. You got to talk to him. He needs you. What? I'm not doing that. Yeah. But I mean, he was such a great teacher. Um. So I, I always tell him when he was good, he was good. When he was bad, he was bad. Yeah. But I think it's important, you know, that we can come to terms with what we both need and then not be selfish about, oh, he's giving me everything I need. So what, what does he need from me? Yeah. I think one of the things that I learned is to be a giver and to always be looking to what I can for what I can give. Because mm-hmm. when I'm concentrating on what I can give to my spouse, then he's like, oh, dang, she's doing this for me. What can I do for her? 
Right. And, it, I, and I don't have to say, hey, babe, I need this or hey, babe, I need that because he's counting up, you know, what I do for him. And he's like, well, I'm going to do whatever I can for her because she does this for me. It's automatically reciprocated. Automatic. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so it sounds like to me, your husband truly um, was the godsend because it sounds like he taught you. I mean, and you might be still learning this, but I think he taught you the basis of unconditional love. Yes. You know, so many of us don't have. I just went to my grandmother's funeral um, uh, last week and the preacher was sorry. um, Thank you. He said, um, what did he say? He said uh, she knew how to love unconditionally. I mean sons in prison doing life you know right I mean? like she she has all of these people around her that have all of these flaws mm-hmm. knew how to love unconditionally and I was like you know that's something I don't have I mean I can't even say I love my husband yeah I can't say Just that yet, yet. Mm-hmm. right yet I can't mm-hmm. say that yet but um love love him unconditionally right like I love him but there's conditions to my love right now. Right. Like if he burps too loud or if he <laughs> too loud, I'm like, you know, I'm done. You know what I mean? So I think that loving unconditionally is um, truly who we are at its like, you know, core. And mm-hmm. we've gotten so far away from that just from, you know, societal norms, religious norms, being around people, whatever. And when the universe put someone in our lives that can really take us back to who we were designed to be is truly a blessing that I I think you're right I totally agree with you Mm -hmm. um and I I say that I love unconditionally but I I do believe that you do have to have some conditions and I say that because because of the title of my book married to the backslider a lot of people you know automatically assume that you just forgive everything and I always tell people that forgiveness is not reconciliation Right. Does not always have to equal reconciliation. So if somebody is doing something to you in a hurtful manner, then I I more than encourage you to leave. Um, if you're not safe, if someone is beating on you, if somebody is raping you, and I, I just always have to put that out there because people are like, "Well, you stay with him through this, 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 this," and I'm like, "Yeah, but this is what I am able to handle." Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. but there was no abuse, and there was no like. There's some people, like you said, it could be as simple as burping or you didn't take out the trash. These are my deal breakers. Right. You know, but Mm -hmm. my deal breakers are bigger than that. Right. So you have to know what you're capable of taking versus what XYZ is capable of taking and then not compare what she's doing to what you're able to take. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, like you said, there's there. Yeah, we do need to set that fine line, you know, because. Right. Some individuals aren't rooted or grounded enough to know, um, you know, the difference between getting treated properly, right, loving unconditionally, and putting up with this or that, right, and really being mistreated. And so we can't take that. And and then, like you said, forgiveness. Um, I know a lot of individuals struggle so much with the word, even the word mm-hmm. trigger for a lot of people. And um, just, you know, the action of forgiveness and forgiveness to me is really, um, uh, you know, giving up the hope that the past could have been any different and mm. really just being OK with that. Right. You know, you're so right, because I remember 
um, there's a time in my book where, you know, James Benjamin had been sober for a long time. And I know that he could be sober. I know he didn't have to use drugs. I know like there was no traffic coming in and out of our house. It was just like, whew, yeah, yeah, you know. And then I remember him relapsing. And I got so angry in that moment. And I was like, you know, I hate you. Like, oh, my God. But then yeah. I was like, do I hate him or do I hate what he's doing? Yeah, uh-huh. do I hate the? Drug? And I just mm-hmm. walked away from it. Like you know what? I don't, I don't have to be your savior. I don't have to own what you do. I don't have to be a part of what you do. And when I hold on to it, that's when it hurts me because literally, what you're doing is not physically, mentally, or emotionally touching me. Right. I'm allowing it to affect me. Mm-hmm. So if I walk away from it, you know, then, you know, it, it won't hurt me, but it's hurting me because I'm holding on to it. That's right. And so so that's why so many people, um, a lot of spiritual gurus and things like that say that trauma is not what happens to you. Trauma is what you do right. with what happens to you. Because if I get molested, you know, which I've been molested mm-hmm. and I tell people, you know, I don't, I do not feel like I'm a victim. That's why I right. seldomly talk my molestation because as soon as I got molested I went home and I told my mama immediately and I was very lucky to have a mother that you know right uh believed me and you know went through the motions and so it was not a traumatic event for me because you know um yes it was it was terrible that it happened I guess you know and I I always um talk about it as being weird but um like a weird circumstance Mm -hmm. in my life but as far as traumatic it was not traumatic for me and so I think that that is so important um what you just said you know just kind of letting go and that's a better way for people to understand what forgiveness Mm -hmm. is just letting go yeah of the fact things could have been any different Mm -hmm. and then you don't go through the trauma the trauma is you being depressed right right Turning to alcohol or drugs to to uh, feel that void and that pain, but if you don't go there, right. then it's really not traumatic. True, I, I totally agree, and I think you know, I for me, I I remember being molested, and then I remember being, uh, I I say it's taken being taken advantage of. Um, you know, back then they call you fast if you were taking anything, but no eleven year old is fast enough for you know. 18, 19, 20 year old to be bothering them. Right. So I remember, you know, in molestation at a young age, I was molested at four. So I never told my mother or my parents because I didn't even know it was wrong until later. And once I realized that it was wrong, it had been happened by more than one person. And I'm like, you know, now I'm going to look like the bad guy and this, but what it did teach me in that moment, um, when it was happening to me or after I realized that it was wrong is that, you know what? Hey, I've got control over my body. I'm not going to let anybody else touch me if I don't want them to touch me. Right. And so it got to me. That was another part of me being very defensive and having up a wall. Um, not necessarily angry um, about what happened. It was more like, okay, I've been exposed to this. I like it now. Um, maybe it's still wrong. I don't know. But from now on, I'm going to be in control of it. Right. Mm, that's powerful. So even That's to this day, like people kind of, they laugh at me. I'm not a hugger. Now I'll hug my, my neighborhood kids. I hug my husband, but I just, I don't hug people. I don't even really shake hands. Cause I'm like, this is my body. I'm in control of it. I'm kind of a germaphobic too, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, 
mm, I don't have to hug you. Yeah. And it's so true. You don't have to. And if that's not something you feel comfortable with, um, I think being rooted and grounded in yourself enough to know what you will and will not deal with is very, you know, uh, powerful. Um, and, you know, I'm a hugger. I hug everybody. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to know you from right. Adam. Just give me a hug. Um, so, so how long have you been a widow now? Um, coming up on four years in September. Oh, wow. Okay. And so you are now, I know you said you've just come to a place where you are at peace with what has happened. And, um, and so you're feeling good again. I think I'm feeling a lot better. Um, I don't think I grieve as hard or as much as I used to. Um, there were times, mm-hmm. of course, in the very beginning where I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to get dressed. I would cry for anything. Like if I couldn't button my dress up or zip my dress up or reach something on the top shelf, I was crying. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. um, there were times, like, I think I went through a year of, like, really no sleeping, um, not getting yeah. any rest. But I think I met up I'm, with him as far as being, knowing where he is and knowing that he's okay and knowing that none of it's my fault. Um, and, and like you said, understanding that what's going to happen, um, I had no control of it, over it. And mm-hmm. that my future isn't destroyed because of what has happened like yeah. still being able to have hope because in the beginning I felt like I had no hope mm. but I think now I feel like I have hope and not just hope in another relationship or another marriage but just being able to live and cope from day to day and being probably transparent and authentic in your story you know because that is um, so liberating for many you know to just be able to be free and not have to hold all of these thoughts and feelings in. Imagine if you didn't have the courage, you know, to tell your story, you know, of, of, of him being a drug addict and, um, you know, all of this turmoil that you've gone through, that just sitting on it's you. It's very helpful. Would be- um, I know yeah. when I wrote the story, I had no intention of publishing it. Um, but mm. I felt so good when I got everything off my chest. Like, it just felt like, whew. Okay, I can do this yeah. now. And so, you know me, being the little Miss Lady I am, I printed it up and I got it printed up at Office Depot and I got it put in the binder and I put it in the bathroom, in my bathroom, um, just like to say I did it. And yeah. so I remember my husband being in the bathroom for a really long time. And so you have to know him to know him. He's just really animated. He's like, yo, babe, this is us. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what are you doing? Because I didn't even tell him that I wrote it, you know? And so um, he was like, yo, you got to publish this. I was like, you crazy. Like, we're not publishing this. You go to jail. Like, what what is wrong with you? And so um, he's like, no, people need to know this. He's like, because people keep thinking that, you know, marriage is all fun and games, but, you know, they need help. People need help. And that was, my husband was big on that. Like, people will be coming, like, having problems in their relationship, and he'll bring them home, and I'll cook. And I'm like, dude, we got problems in our relationship. We can't be helping nobody. He's like, helping them <laughs> helps us. And I'm like, okay, yeah. whatever, but, you know, we got problems. So I didn't plan on publishing it, and I, then I took it to a friend at work, because she was having some issues in her relationship. And so I said, just read this and tell me what you think. And she was like, you know, I didn't even cook dinner for my kids last night. I ordered a pizza because I had to finish reading your book. And I was like, are you oh kidding me? So when they said that, I was like, you know, I do want to help people. That was the purpose of publishing it. 
but it just we were yeah. going through so much he had gotten sick and you know I just couldn't focus on that right now but it, it does make me feel good that he okayed it because he didn't get to see it in its published form before he passed oh, okay. away um, mm-hmm. which was another reason why I did a lot more editing took a lot more things out because he wasn't here to you know um, advocate okay, for yeah. himself mm-hmm. but he was okay with like telling me everything and I was like I don't really want to deal with all that by myself so you know I scaled back and I did it you know for him and for me because I, I yeah. do believe in helping people you know I'm a lover of love I love to see everybody in love and happy I really think the world would be a better place can you just imagine I, if all your co-workers were happily married and had morning sex every morning <laughs> like work would be so dope right oh my god girl you hit that on the work head would be okay amazing like you know you know some women at your job that just need some and that's what's wrong with them and so <laughs> they got an attitude all day they mad at you they don't like your hair your nail. they don't like nothing about you because they don't like nothing about themselves but when you got that yeah. that not and not just the sex you know because don't get me wrong I love having sex especially with somebody that you're in love with but I just remember yeah. waking up every morning, getting dressed, and my husband okaying my outfit or telling yeah, babe, that's it right there. Or, you know, you look good in that. Or, you know, I love you. I can't wait to see you when you get home. That having that affirmation and then going out into the world and thinking, well, let me not show my ass today because I do got somebody to go home to. You know, I do have something to lose. And I think people don't have that connection and they don't have that love and they don't have that validation from people. And I think they're seeking it from too many people. And so that's where we go wrong is because we don't have that companionship. And does everybody have to be in a relationship? No, but I think it does make most people happier. Yeah, it's like mixing the yin and the yang. Yin is nothing without yang and yang is nothing without yin. It just is what it is. It's that female and male energy. When you put the female and male energy together, it's a force to be reckoned with. Yes, you can do it by yourself. Yes. All day. Um, but it's, it's the laws of the universe. When you put the two together, it's just magnificent. And so, um, I think what your book does for many is it does inspire. And I think so many need that inspiration, um, and the hope to kind of keep moving forward if, if necessary, necessary. right? Like it's okay. And, um, I follow this healer on Instagram and she says that how can one be a healer if, they haven't if the universe has not sent them through every Uh, emotion let me tell you and that's one of the things I struggle with a lot of people that talk to me they talk to me and they listen they think it's great but then they hear how long my husband and I were together and they're like oh you guys weren't together long enough like I really shouldn't be listening to you and I lie to you not we went somewhere and this guy was praying for us and he said I see the spirit of acceleration on your marriage like you've been through a lot, you're going through a lot, but it's only so that you can help other people. Yeah. Because the things that we went through in such short amount of time, it was ridiculous. Like you would think that we had been together for years. Yeah. And so like the the advice that I've been able to give people isn't because, you know, it's something I read. It's something I lived. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, what we do go through is to help other people. Absolutely all day and and that is so true and and I feel like once once you go through every awakening human emotion you know and I mean it it doesn't matter what the circumstance may be yeah yours may have been 
you know, your trauma may have been, you know, your marriage, but if someone else is going through something, um, you can still relate to them because you've been through that, you know, that emotion, you know, and you can help them heal too. And I, I really feel like, you know, when, when folks are like, what is my purpose? What am I here to do? Um, Mm. you are here to help someone else like that. I think that's everybody's purpose. I really do. And, um, you know, whatever you went through and got through and overcame is what you go back to, um, as far as your, you know, your work. So, so what, what message would you, you know, in ending our conversation here, what message would you give to, um, the world that, you know, maybe in turmoil in a, in a current marriage or, maybe looking to get out of their marriage or whatever, what message would you give them? Um, I tell people this often. If you close your eyes and you can't imagine yourself living without the person that you say you want to leave and you see yourself having a better life, like seriously, you're not going to miss them. You're not going to want to call them. Then, okay, fine. But if you really think about it, that you don't want to wake up without that person because that person adds value to your life and you can, the good outweighs the bad. I know that's cliche, but if you Mm -hmm. really count up the cost about what this person is doing to you versus versus what they have made happen for you, I think that you should exhaust every avenue before you decide to get a divorce. That's just me. I think you should try counseling first, therapy, um, a, a getaway, a vacation, even if you yeah. have to separate, um, just to get to the root cause. Because one thing my husband always said to me, he said, babe, we can leave each other. He said, but we still going to be a mess with somebody else. Yeah. He said, you just going to take that mess <laughs> somewhere else and you'll have the same problems with whoever you leave me for. Right. So, um, you can even decide to be and just be a better person because a lot of it is individual. Not saying it's, you're the problem, but a lot of it is individual, you know, but it's fixable. It's mm-hmm. fixable. So that's that's what I would say is that, you know, you can either be a mess by yourself or you could be a mess in a relationship <laughs> with somebody that, you know, cares about your right. well-being right. and wants to be patient and all of that. So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so yeah, that is it. So thank you so much for being here, for telling your story, for being authentic and transparent. Um, I appreciate you and I'm sure everybody out there listening appreciates you. Um, and until next time, guys, sex, sex, and more sex. Yes.